Cause I can't take it no more And don't you know that little girl Didn't mean nothing at all to me She was just a little flavor in my life And it's all over, don't you see These are the sounds of Etta James and Dr. John. This is the Turned On Podcast, and as Angelique lowers that a little bit, I'll tell you this. The other night, the reason why I bring this up, there's a great show called The Midnight Special. That's what this is from, Ange. And it was something that was on every Friday night throughout this late 70s and early 80s. And I'm watching this with our two daughters, Ella and Phoenix, 10 and, and 7, and I'm thinking about it. I'm, turn it back up one more second, just before we hit the intro. First of all, Etta James is one of my favorite of all time. But it, it's such a great love song, and it's this back and forth. And, and I looked at them, and they're kind of, you know, at that stage where they're really not into that kind of thing yet. And I thought about the lyrics, right? I would rather go blind than be without you. And I thought to myself, so much of that is passion and love. And where has that gone a little bit? And we're going to explore that today. But more importantly, um, we need to find out about that passion. Like, I wanted to teach my young kids about passion and love and romance and the thought of being able to love somebody so much and so deeply that literally you'd rather go blind than be without them. We're going to discuss all facets of this. We're going to discuss marriage. We're going to discuss dating. We're going to discuss where we are in terms of romance (laughs) to Better, for better or less, uh, in 2022, yes, right here on the Turned On Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. All right. Ange, what do you think about when you hear this song? You listen. Like butter right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's the thing. You know, it, you you hear stuff like that, and and I know, like. I'm very moved by music, um, specifically a cappella type music or, or music like that, where it's the 
the majority of the music is coming from the person singing. And that, that's just because I get really jazzed up when I see people in their gifting. Um, but to hear lyrics like that, that have meaning, like that's what, that's what turned on is, you know, it's like, we want to help you. <laughs> we want to help you make everything matter you know, and, and create meaning and create money with meaning and create memories with your family and, and talk about the things that matter, you know? And so when I hear something like that, it matters because it's one, it's, it's what infiltrates our heart, our mind, our thoughts, our memories, the relationships that we had or have, you know, it's really important, um, to have, there, there's some, the words are magic, you know, the, the right words are magic, and when you have the right lyrics, they are magical in that moment. And they, they, they reach a part of, of you and your heart, your DNA, your cells, wherever, that can't be penetrated by much else. And that's why people gravitate towards music when it comes to love songs. And at least that's how we grew up. You know, there's, there's such a richness to those lyrics. I mean, I'd rather go blind than have you leave me. I'd rather be a blind girl. I mean, I think about that, and and it's true for us, you know. Um, what's the What's but, the most common, common, uh, or most popular love story of all time, and not biblical? Popular love story. When you think of the most popular love story of all time, there's there's one story that comes to mind. Romeo and Juliet. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And what did they do rather than be apart? Yeah. They, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> what, themselves. Yeah, and and obviously we don't want anyone to do that. But we're, no. what we're looking for is, and I'm an old timer, right? So I. Granted, right? Well, give me that. And, and there's going to be some statistics on here that might shock you, right? Because we always kind of tend to think things are, are not the way they used to be. But has love disappeared? Has romance disappeared? And, you know, I try and look at it objectively and not just from like, wow, there's no romance anymore. So we're going to show you side, both sides. But, you know, going back to <laughs> going back to the old school guy, I looked up the Billboard Top 100 Songs of 1978, 19- uh, the year. singles. That's when I was born. That's why I looked it up, baby, because it's always about you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you have songs like just listen to some of the just listen to some of the the titles. You light up my life, kiss you all over. How deep is your love, baby? Come back. Our love is thicker than water. You're the one that I want. Um, just the way you are. Uh, there's so much. Love is like oxygen. It's a heartache. Almost every song, you know, there was Gosh, ballads. It reminds me of the Song of Solomon. There were singers, yeah, yeah, because yeah, the Song of Solomon is basically the, the greatest love song ever yeah. written. Yeah, and what you see is there's a few today, but it was popular. Like ballads were popular, love songs were popular. They played them all the time, and still years later, they're popular. So. I'm not going to say love isn't popular. I'm actually about to show you some statistics. But what what were the three things that you said we're going to outline for them on this podcast that mm, you wrote down? Yes. So, first of all, we there in anything. I don't care if we're talking about marriage and family or if we're talking about marketing. There's always an external and an internal problem, and I really believe that our external problem. Um, it's it's not so much what we think on the outside, you know, but it's the the external thing that is infiltrating our homes is culture. Okay, so it's an outside-in infiltration that needs to be fixed with an inside-out transformation. I'm going to repeat that. There's an outside-in infiltration that needs to be fixed through an inside-out transformation. 
And the reason why we want to outline this is because culture plays a huge role in this. And as and we are seeing that not only in our our marriages and in business, but we're seeing it in our children and how it's kind of trickled trickled into uh, everything from from college to preschool. And what it does is it gets into our homes. Something from the outside gets into our homes. It's like a thief, you know, coming through. A, they don't you ever they never come through the front door. You know, this hardly ever through the front door. It's something that we left open. And so when we leave these areas open and we kind of brush them off as, you know, non-existent or irrelevant, this is how they infiltrate generationally. And so culture is infiltrating these things. It's creating an internal problem in our home and we have to heal from within. So we're going to outline that today on one, what we're doing about it and how we're becoming aware of it and um, how we think it can help you. So... I love it. That's a great start. Let's give them some context, okay? Is that good? Let's like, go. I like, I like stats. I like looking up things. Sometimes I'm right. He's the journalist in the Sometimes I'm wrong, yep. right? I, I worked in a uh, in baseball, and baseball, those people take stats of everything. Like they're, they're stat nerds. Nerds, yep. I was never a stat nerd, but I like to look things up. And, and this one comes to us from our good friends at CNN, which we love, right? Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. We'll just leave that there. Um, but no, the, the article is really good, and it's called Is Romance Dead? And it's by, um, I want to give the person proper credit, Harry Enton. Okay, and he just lays out some statistics here. It says... What's Harry have to say? Yeah. Um, the percentage of Americans who don't have a steady partner is up 50% since 1986. That's a lot. <sighs> That's a lot. I... You know what? I know I got married late, but I was always looking. Like I, I people that knew 50%. me go, "Hey, you have you have a girl that you're dating that you're seeing." What is the ages of that? Does it say? No, it, no. it just says Americans are less likely to have. Um, this is interesting. Americans are less likely to have sex at, at any point since 1989. So at least, at least that's good. If you're not if you're not with a partner and you're not married, at least it's, at least you're not go, it's not going in the other direction. Mm. Remember, this is a Christian podcast. We like that, um, and it says. This is the interesting, the, the decline wasn't just about the pandemic because it started happening way before then. So some of the other statistics um, was 44% of millennials were married in 2019, okay? 44% yeah. of millennials. Mm-hmm. Compared to 53% of Generation Xers, mm-hmm. 61% of baby boomers, and 81% of what we call the golden generation. Okay. okay, so what we see there is obviously, look, it doesn't take a genius to look at those numbers, right? The, the numbers of people that are getting married are going down by generation. The institution of marriage is going down. There's a lot more people living together probably or mm-hmm. just staying single. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I know we have friends. Yeah, we do have friends. So what are your thoughts about that in general? Do you think when we see young people, we know people, I see a lot of guys that are my age, well, not my age, a little bit younger than me, that are still single. And it says one of the reasons for that is they're waiting for the perfect person. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Waiting for the perfect person is good. And I almost made a dangerous mistake here because I was of that same thing. But while you're waiting for the perfect person and playing around, and now they have this thing called Facebook and Instagram, guess what? There's a dangerous part because when yeah. you find that perfect person, that perfect person is probably going to check you out on Instagram and Facebook, and they're going to look back on your history and be like, hey, this was the guy I thought I'd been waiting for, but it looks like this guy's been, you know, dating. Uh, well, I, I think a lot <laughs> for the last couple of years. We got to be careful. If, if we're looking for that perfect person, are we working on ourselves and are we projecting that? And are we getting our house in order? That's what I wanted to tell you about. 
Well, yes. Hold on a second, because I can't be a hypocrite here. I saw myself going down that road. My house was definitely not in order. No, sir. Okay? But I did want to find marriage. I always wanted to be married. And at some point, I got knocked up the side of the head by the Holy Spirit and says, hey, get your house in order because... You know, you may be looking for the perfect person, but if you're not working on yourself, guess what? You're in trouble. Mm. Mm. Okay, a couple things. I, I don't do, make sure that you put a asterisk by what you just said because I don't want to forget what you just said because I have something else to say first. Go ahead. Okay, so the first thing I'm thinking of is those statistics, and I'm thinking of people that I know that love the Lord and I can't ima- I I cannot imagine dating right now. I cannot imagine what that looks like because culture has just taken a poop, okay? It is awful what's going on. And I would imagine there's a, a large majority of people that are adhering to that so that people like ourselves, people believers like ourselves are going Oh my gosh, this is what's this is what I have to choose from and and I'm supposed to go to a club to find them? No, like the pickings are slim. So I can see why those statistics are down because such shifts have happened in culture that really create that that sifting of the wheat from the chaff and all of a sudden it, it becomes more glaringly obvious that you know, there's not much for you to choose from. And Wait so a minute, you just, your, you just mentioned you just mentioned going to clubs. Now, I'm saying, like I know, in but the past, think about this. In, in the past, people went to clubs. Right now, in the past, people went to restaurants too. How do they? Most people get their food now. They door, they door dash that thing. Then they're doing same, and they're same door thing. dashing. They're door dashing romance. Romance. It's crazy. <laughs> it's cr- it's crazy. That's uh. what I'm saying. Like I cannot imagine what that looks like because I wouldn't go to a club. You know, even though in the past, you know, I did, but I didn't meet you there. Um, here's the thing: like, <laughs> this is how pe- this is what's happening. Is like the the numbers are going down for that reason. And then um, what David said about getting your house in order. Well, we gotta worry. We, gotta, we do have to work on ourselves. We have to um, do everything we can to be adhering. A day by day, dying to ourselves day by day to become more and more uh, equipped and whole and full to meet the needs of a partner and 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 be mature spiritually and emotionally. And so, when you said like when the Holy Spirit knocked you upside the head, I'm thinking it's not just once though, and that's what we want to get into. It's not just once. Like there's been multiple times in our marriage of the last eleven and a half years where I'm sure each one of us have been knocked upside the head by the Holy Spirit. Right. Because it's not just one day we wake up and say, I'm going to get my house in order, and then we get together, and it's like all you know, all yeah. roses and unicorns moving forward. It's not. like We have got to keep ourselves in check all the time. And when we fall and start to rest on our laurels in our marriage, right. it shows up and rears its head. And that's where past things, strongholds, and behavior will start to, to find themselves into your home, even old soul ties yeah. that end up into your bedroom. Yeah, I mean, uh, here's the thing. We can't, jeez, I'm judgmental sometimes. And, like, duh, right? But sometimes? I'm try, I try to look at it from an objective, <laughs> objective stance. Like, we did, who knows if we were born in this generation, we'd probably be doing the same thing. We have very interesting conversations in this house, guys. Like, David will say something, and it's judgmental, and I'm like, oh, Let me whoa, just ask whoa, you a question, whoa. though. 
Let's look at this differently. When we have food delivered here, we get DoorDash. Is it, is it taste better than when you go out? Is the experience better when you go out? No. It's not. No. Okay. Guess how many. Take a guess how many online dating sites there are in the world. Take a guess how many online dating you sites. You want me to guess? Just take a, a number. How many online dating sites? A thousand. Are not even close. A million. No. Come on. Don't go from a thousand to uh, eight thousand. Okay. Okay. There's estimated eight thousand online dating I just, sites. I added a couple there of are zeros. Three hundred and twenty-three million people using uh, dating apps. That's okay. This so this is worldwide, but three hundred twenty-three. How many people are in the United States? Uh, about three hundred fifty mil. Okay. Or three hundred. Well, somewhere around. There. Okay. So just think about this is global numbers, but that's the equivalent of the population of the United States on a dating app. <laughs> think about that. Think about if everybody was just in the United States, every single one of us would be on a dating app. Well, let's try go, and find a partner. Let's go back a lot to that article people. from CNN. Um, he he quoted a relationship expert, Monica O'Neill, and uh, she said that the people who run these apps really have zero interest in whether or not people actually find relationships. Their primary goal, like every other app, is to what? Keep you on that app because that's how they make money. Just she, like Facebook, just like and, Instagram, just like anything. Yeah, and it's quoted here. So what has happened is they've created a culture that really leads people not to take time to invest to get to know any anybody. That makes right? me sick to my stomach, honestly. Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, not really toot my own horn, but in my book, Turned On, it came out in 2020, you know, I did some research on this, and, you know, Match.com was the first one on the scene. That was Christian, right? What? Was it Match Christian? Oh, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was. But, um, you know, it's it's a multi, multi-billion dollar industry now. But then came Bumble. And here's here's where you know that if you're <laughs> looking sometimes on an app, maybe it's probably not the right place to go. Because in my book, I said, Bumble has a, a list of interesting terms like monkeying, benching, and the bad pancake. Th- these are terms like monkeying is described as the way that somebody monkeys, some, some that monkeys swing from branch to branch without touching the ground. In other words, it's somebody who goes from relationship to relationship with no downtime. Wait, they label them this? These are Yeah, these are like actual words that came from there, from Bumble.com. Wait, so does Bumble put like little icons? Like do they I get a badge I've of never honor been on Bumble. Maybe our listeners can tell us. I've never been on Bumble. Me either. So I'm just, th- I mean, I'm picturing like Facebook badges. What do you think I'm benching thinking- is? Benching. Well, benching is an interesting one. No idea. Um, benching is when you putting somebody on the back burner just in case you want to pick them up and start dating them seriously again. So they're gonna you're gonna bench oh, that benching. person. Yeah. So I'm gonna bench that person just in case I thought you meant like benching like chest press. No. <laughs> just in case you want to come back and circle back to them. Um and then the last one is it's benching is really the equivalent of the maybe pile, you know, which is terrible. Awful. Either you know what or get off the pot. Okay. Wow. The bad pancake is my favorite. And look, these are a little bit comical, but they're not. Bad pan yeah, like it's it's sad. They're funny because they're creative, but it's sad in, in what they mean that people actually have these terms now. The bad pancake is used to describe the first person you date after a breakup. The bad pancake is someone you don't see a future with who you use to test the waters of dating again. I mean, what's going on? 
So, so there's always a bad pancake in the in the batch. Is that what they're saying? Like when you when you make a patch, a I, batch I guess. of pancakes, the first one's never good. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, true. The first one really the first is never one good. is never right. It's the, always the, weird. The consistency is yeah. weird. Yeah. yeah. But here's I mean, the funny it's funny thing. and it's creative, but it's, it, you know, because the context of where it's being used, it's really actually sad. And, and this that's is what people not, are being succumbed to. This is not a knock on anybody who's met online and no. has a successful marriage. We know that happens. But I asked the question, um, if you could meet serendipitously, you know, would you? Just like I asked you the question, Angelique, you know, you, on a past episode, if your parents could have stayed together, would you have liked to have that way? Sure. Yes. And I'm asking this, if people could meet serendipitously, would they? You know, and I gave the example of LL Cool J. He he literally met an around-the-way girl, right? He met a girl um, serendipitously in the neighborhood, and they have a successful marriage. You know, not everybody does, and not everybody that meets serendipitously has a successful marriage. No, we're not saying that that's the... And I can't really say successful that good. No, you cannot. I messed that up successful. three times. Successful. 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 Okay. But. You're talking too fast. I am. Slow down. Let's go into the marriage part. How you meet is one thing. What you are talking about on the other end is how we can really uh, bring back biblical marriage. How we can really bring back lasting relationships that don't cut and run when they see trouble, how we can actually raise kids up who are watching all these things. I mean, think about the award show and the twerking that are aimed towards young people. And then we're trying to say, hey, but have a successful, there you go, have a successful marriage (laughs) after you've been watching this. How could you? It's hard. You want solution? I got one solution. This is what you do. Uh, Parents out there, if you have young kids, you know. Turn off the TV, take it out of the wall. There's a lot of things you can do like that. Mm-hmm. My big thing is tell your kids your love story. Mm-hmm. Show them how you fell in love. Talk about the struggles you've been through. Talk about why it's important to stay together. You know, like tell them your story. We told our girls our love story the other day, and, and it was so funny because like, ah, you know. But we stopped them like, you need to hear this. You know, you need to hear how mom and dad met. You need to hear why we're together. You need to hear some of the struggles, some of the things we've been through. Because who more important to mentor, you know, a young person than their parent? That's part of the job of a parent. Well, it's modeling. We can't turn that over to culture. You can't turn it over to magazines. You can't turn it over to Kim Kardashian. You can't turn it over to the the tabloids. That's why when I hear things like hashtag couple goals, I'm like, but who's the model? You know, and and they'll do that, you know, with the Kardashian. I can't even say their name, nor do I care. But um, they'll do that with things like Kardashians and and J-Lo, who's how many how many times have we how many J-Lo's relationships are we going to hear about? But my point is, is we're looking through the wrong lens. You know, we if we were to use the word as the foundation, like we've got to get right with God, like using the word as the foundation and keeping God in the center, then your marriage is something worth modeling. But just because your marriage looks pretty on Instagram and you've got millions of followers or even a thousand followers, but it looks cute on Instagram, it doesn't mean that things are going well. You know, there's there's been some pretty significant couples in the 
recent past and just in the last couple of years that had everything from, you know, large products of courses for um, self-development and marriage, and they just, just called it quits. Now, that's not a judgment call. It's, it's what we're doing. We're, we're looking through the wrong lens. We showed up for the wrong, we showed up, we went to the right class with the right intentions, but the wrong teacher was there. You know, if we're looking at the Bible as a, as a teacher and a guide and you, having the Holy Spirit be a part of this, that's where we get to model. I can't do this on my own. I, I'm going to mess up severely. David can't do it on his own. He's going to mess up severely. And we have. We have and we do. It's a daily dying to yourself to figure out like, okay, what is infiltrating our home? What is infiltrating our home? And how do we, how do we fix that problem? Because things from the outside make their way in and they start to show up in our daily distractions and daily environment. I don't care what it is. You know, right now we're talking a lot about pop culture and music and dating apps. All things, to be honest, that really don't have an effect on David and I at this stage in the game. Um, But other things do. Other things do. Uh, Instagram can. Other couples or uh, people that we're watching or friends or in our peer group, uh, the news, there's, there's, there's negative cycles that end culturally end up into our homes that affect the way you show up every day, affect the way I show up every day, then start creating disarray in our own personal environment. And then our kids can't drink from the proper and well. And it peaks in. Let me ask you a question, Angelique. Do you think I looked up J-Lo lately? Do you think that's something I would look up or her marriage? No. No. But it peaks in. You know, these things pop up I'm every I'm sure we're going to see while. her now because we've been talking about her and our phones are listening. Well, who cares? All right. But yeah. here's the thing. When she got married again, what is the sixth? She's been engaged six times. Her- Has she ever been married? Yeah, I think this is her oh. third or fourth one. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Mark her first Anthony. husband said this about her marriage. He goes, Jen loves being in love, but she's been engaged six times, and Ben is husband number four. He goes, I was husband number one, and she told me I was the love of her life. When we lay in bed on our wedding night, she said we would be together forever. So there's pop culture, the same girl hmm, that was sliding down a pole in front of her daughter <laughs> at the Super Bowl. Really? Like, you know, we, we are not Ned Flanders. No. We are not here as Homer Simpson's neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, we are a Christian podcast. Some of you listen to this majority probably follow us for that reason. Some of you don't. This is not a Ned Flanders moment where I'm trying to point a finger. But no. connect the dots. Look, I said it earlier this morning because um, we, we we talk a lot about, like, you know, our, our message and, you know, what, which is God's message through us and how we make sure we take that to market properly. And, you know, there's a lot of niche talk out there and, and how to, you know, properly position, you know, your business and things in the marketplace, what you offer. And I said, you know what, Jesus carved our niche. So come as you are, but don't expect to like everything you hear. You know, A, we're going to mess up and B, he is not just a peacemaker. He came with a sword. So there's lots of things that that get said that aren't our opinion. It's just kind of like, you know, the Bible tells us not everyone is going to have the eyes to see. And if you can't see it that way, I'm not arguing with you. It's just that we're going to see things differently. And I'm I'm fine with that because I know how what my model is. And if you're fine with that, then that's your cross to bear. But 
it's going to create an, uh, a personal hell somewhere down the line for you or someone else. I can't say, I mean, I have no idea what's going on in JLo's life, nor do, like I said, nor do I care, but I can't imagine that being true joy. Well, if the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit, what does their fruit look like so far? Which, well, it depends on what people consider fruit. Well, I know what fruit looks we're like. We're talking to about me. the Christian definition of fruit. It's, okay. it's not four marriages and six engagements. I and can it's tell certainly you that not, much. you know, millions of dollars. Right to and, me, it's you know, fruit comes so very differently. Let's 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 cross pollinate this with single people and married people or people who are engaged. Here's what we hear all the time, and and we can discuss this. Is uh, there's nobody that gets me, you know? Uh, they're not good enough, or they don't meet my standard for this or that. And what we have to realize is that the longer you put off marriage, there is so much value in it. That's why God defined it. That's why He created Eve and He put them. Uh, together because there is value in a marriage. You're financially stronger, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You are physically stronger because you have somebody there to take care of you mm-hmm. and to cater to you. Uh, they should be. We should be equally yoked. Mm-hmm. And uh, and certainly you should be emotionally stronger. Now, we know sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes people are an emotional basket case because they have a domineering um, partner who has really uh, hurt them. And unfortunately, that those scars last a long time. I am not going to deny that for those of you out there that have experienced that. And that's totally awful. Yeah. But we know that in the center of the marriage is God. And this is the second week in a row we're talking about this. And because I think that it's that important, you know, we are not here. Again, I'll repeat that. We are not here to say we have a perfect marriage. <laughs> we are not here to say that, you know, this is exactly how you should do it. Mm-mm. But our guest last week, Mike Bellini, said the one thing that would change the whole country, the whole world is what? Your marriage. Marriage. And um, so that's what we want to give you. We want to give some, you know, we want to give you some practical things, of course, to walk away from. It, you know, because the last thing we want to do is just get on like a radio show and, and just pump out a bunch of opinions. You know, we want to tell you what we do about it. You know, what what we feel uh, is the right modeling, um, you know, for our family. And ultimately, like, we, the goal is, is, like, if you're going to follow what we have to say, just entrust that it's what Jesus had to say. Um, granted, I'm sure there'll be days where we get something wrong, but that's where we, you know, have grace and, and we ask for, uh, you know, the ability to be corrected by the Holy Spirit and, and fix ourselves. But, um, look, when it comes to you know, a relationship, um, when it comes to your marriage and, you know, you just brought up something, David, about like people having, you know, scars and things in the past. And I'm like, I had them, but you know, what's weird. And, and I say it's weird because this is how, this is how good God is. Um, I only, I don't even remember them. Like I, they don't affect me the way that I've seen them affect others and I think there's a vast difference and contrast there. Um, I almost feel as if it, not that I believe in them, but it, it's a different me. It's a, a pa- it feels like a past life, even though I don't believe in past lives. It feels like in a totally different lifetime, totally different person. And the reason why is that's what God does when He wipes your slate clean, and um, it you 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 aren't persecuted for those things anymore. You know, that's like a thief trying to uh, steal from you, which is the devil. Um, 
for something that you've already had redeemed by Christ. I don't live there anymore. So you can't even say, I don't even live there anymore. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. So what we're, what we want to do, and again, I always, I always go back to the divine order and, um, you know, sharing things of like, what's, what's the framework and the foundation that we use, you know, outside of uh, something that the world would say. Well, the first thing always, always, and that's what we're doing here now is like, is to create an awareness, right? We, we have to create an awareness. Uh, you know, when you, when you flip a switch and turn a light on, you, you are aware of your surroundings. You have to get, get present in that room and be aware of your surroundings, be aware of what's going on, be aware of anything that's formless, void, chaos, uh, you know, disappointment, dismemberment, whatever it might be. And the goal is for it to be a mutual awareness, you know? I, there are going to be plenty of times when I'm ready to talk and David's not ready to listen and vice versa. So in any relationship, not even just your marriage, but with your kids, if you're ready to talk, but they're not ready to listen, it's not a mutual awareness or agreement. There has to be at some point in time where there's a coming together. And if it's not right now, we know there's one place that we can go where he's always going to be ready to listen. And that's in prayer with, with Christ. So if you're having a hard time talking to your spouse and they're just not ready to listen, pray for when that is. Pray for their heart to be opened. Pray. Pray. Because God is going to be the one that can orchestrate things that we often can get wrong in terms of our timing. Where we mess up is we run ahead of the situation and we want to talk about it immediately or we want to fix it right now and we become like a nag and they're not ready to hear it and it falls on deaf ears and then it goes nowhere. It becomes more null and void and it becomes um, more chaotic and more painful and more wounded. David, would, how would you feel about that? Because I know that we've had moments like this. Yeah, and I wish I wish I could say that there is a template. No. I wish I can say that there is an answer, and so much of it, there is not, Mm-mm. you know? And when I see people who go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and look, there's a lot of marriage counselors out there who do it for a living, you know? That is fine for some people. We know that the best marriage counselor is found in the Old and New Testament of the Bible. Yeah. Okay? Now, there are a lot of things in there that people say, well, it doesn't relate to today. Mm, I'm not so sure about that. It does. It and there are a does. lot of things about there that will say, well, this isn't right. You know, people will always pick out – people who don't want to do this, they always pick out the one thing that's not. You know, they'll pick out the one thing that says, oh, that's that's misogynistic, you know, yeah. Um, just like when but that's those legalism. But <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not going to do that. So when we have a culture right now that is uh, infiltrating the schools and especially the youngest of the young, right, we're talking elementary school kids and they're trying to make them aware of being gay. They're trying to make them aware of the, you know, being transgender. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah. They're not telling them what will benefit them. They are just saying this is an option. They're yeah. advertising that. They're not giving them the pros and cons. Okay, I would ask you, I, I will make a statement right now. There are way more pros to being in a heterosexual marriage with a family. Okay? Well, we talked about that last week with Mike. Uh, it was created to create family and procreate anything that disrupts the ability to procreate is a blasphemy, a blasphemous uh, design for his order. Angelique, how many times do our girls come to you for something that I don't even maybe know about because they're girls all the time. Okay. 
all the time. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, it's let's, crazy. Let's not deny it. Let's not make definitions of things that don't exist. So crazy. You can choose whatever lifestyle you want. That's what we have to say, right? And yep. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. But don't offer this to these kids and not tell them the dangers of pitfall and not tell them which one is going to benefit their life no, more. No, because they're not. They paint a broad brush the same way the devil did in the garden by twisting the truth. And that's where we mess up. You know, culture starts to infiltrate our homes and really change the fabric of that design. And that's where we screw up. So like I said before, um, there's a, there's a cultural, there's an infiltration, okay, that comes from outside that's fixed with an inside out approach for a transformation. And that's what our goal in mission is, is to have an inside out approach from everything, whether it's your, your personal responsibility and things to your marriage, to your business. It's all about an inside out approach. What did God say that I am? What did God say that I do well? What does God want me to do? And then you go to the marketplace. The same with marriage, the same with anything else. Like it's an inside out approach. When we start going outside in, it clouds the bandwidth uh, that God is trying to share. And he's just going to patiently wait until you come around and tune out everything else. So you got to tune out everything else from the outside because it's it's going to completely disrupt the order, the divine order that was designed for us to have a fruitful, abundant life. Can I say one more thing? Regardless of your heterosexual or homosexual, whatever sex you practice, it's never the most important part of any relationship. No. If If whatever you are, if you make sex the most critical, the number one part of that relationship, guess what? You are starting off with a horrible, horrible foundation. Now, you could be attracted to the person. You should be, right? You should be attracted to the person. But we're talking about the foundation. We're talking about that. And, and, I, and I fear, you know, that's where we have apps like these we were talking about. You go back to that. The first thing that somebody stops on is they stop on because of the looks. Now, okay, you could say, well, in a bar, isn't that what people do? They stop on something because of looks. Yeah, but there, it's not a Photoshopped version of that. And there has to be an initial conversation. You don't, you have to meet somebody at a bar. They have to show you their personality right away. They don't like you and say, right. we're going to, we're going to chat a couple times before you really get to know me. Mm-hmm. You know, gosh, to me, because I've been on both sides. I've been that person who was so superficial and looks were everything. And then I I went to the part where I realized that that is not leading me in the right direction. You know? <laughs> it's, it, it wasn't. I mean, you're laughing because, I mean, obviously, right? But it wasn't leading me in the right direction. And here's the thing. As you get older in a relationship, uh, years and years into it, even if you took two of the most smoking hot people on the face of the earth— it's not going to take them through the gauntlet of it marriage. It will wither away. It will wither away no matter what. It you will know? wither away. And we see that in Hollywood. You, you, you take a Brad Pitt and, you know, whoever he's married to this time and, you know, these people, they're, they're bad role models. But let's get back to what we can do in the home. Let's get back to those of you yeah, that are we're raising on, we're young a, people. We're on a cultural tangent. And, and we'll but... only go about 10 more minutes here because we're going to wrap it up. But – what we're looking at here is the impressionable generation that right now you're looking at kids from 10 to 17 or 18 in your house, boys and girls. You know, fathers, are you going to teach your sons how to be a gentleman to a young lady? Or are you going to be one of those guys that tells them to go out and sow his oats? You know, I hope if you're listening to this and you're you're a Christian father, you know, you 
you have the wherewithal to tell them, hey, women need to be respected. You know, moms, are you going to get out there and and show your daughters what's the proper way to dress? What's the proper way to have uh, a man treat you? And then cross cross pollinate that. Moms talk to the sons. Dads talk to the daughters. There is a big part of that right now that I can't cast a, you know, just a, a, a big blanket statement on. But what I would say is we could do better. You and I could do better. What I would say is everybody listening to this, if it's your goal to do better, we always sit back, like Mike said last week, we always sit back and think, oh, it's, it's just the right politician's got to fix this. Or if I just elect somebody and we forget that we have control in our own families, the way we raise kids, we have so much power and so much control there to do what we can with the fruit of our labor that we forget about that. Yeah. And we and we and that's what happens. That's why society and culture is begging to co-parent with parents because parents let them. Right. And that goes back to what I was saying, like having a mutual awareness, making sure that we, you know, we see eye to eye on these things and uh, we know that there's something that needs to be fixed or resolved. And, and if it's an outside thing, we have the ability to veto like, hey, we should have an agreement, David, that if I, you know, if one of us sees us trailing behind, okay, uh, what it takes to uh, to communicate well, be joyful with each other, uh, spend quality time, and it's starting to infiltrate outside. I should be able to veto any moment, and so should you. Hey, is what you're doing right now making meaning? Is what you're doing right now making money? Is what you're doing right now affecting um, the trajectory of of our family? If the answer is no, we have the we should have the ability to veto that moment. Because that moment is where we start to nip things in the bud little by little by little. And we should be able to do it without the other person getting angry. So that should be an agreement. That should be an agreement at your home. Um, and with that agreement, it, it helps you guys get better. It helps you take uh, personal responsibility, what I'll get to in a second. That environment in your home has to be, it has to be a huge priority. Um, you know, David makes fun of me because I I like to keep things orderly and and clean and it's not because of some OCD you know problem because I'm not OCD my my the reason I put importance on it is because it creates an external piece which creates an internal piece if there's enough chaos outside of my home we know is happening then I need to create as much internal order as possible so that our marriage, ourselves, our minds, and our children feel connected. They feel peace. They feel a place where, like, where we can worship, where we can come together and have conversations and not have a million things in our eyeballs as giant reminders of what is undone in our life. Mm-hmm. That's why I like things organized. That's why I like things picked up because it's a giant physical reminder of other areas of our life that are undone that we disregard, that we step over, that we walk by. It's ignoring things at the lowest level that then start to create habits at the highest level. And that's why environment is so important and our children see that. So if if your environment physically, like the environment you're living in, uh, the environment that you have conversations in, the environment that you go to bed in, th- th- those the environments that you eat dinner in, if they don't have order... It affects 
your marriage, it affects your mind, and it certainly affects your children because that just creates a generational habit for them. The next thing is personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. So before I can go to David and come mutually come together, I, I need to be personally responsible for myself, for my mind, for the nagging thoughts that I have, that am I saying, am I making too, am I putting too much behind this? Am I making, you know, too, today I, I vented about, I was like, I'm always last, you know, because I, the baby was like, you know, wanted me, Ella needed me. David was making a, a post for our, our latest podcast. I was cleaning up and I was just getting to my room. You know, I was just getting to my room and I'm like, I'm always last. And then Ella started to say, but mommy, I'm help. I help. I help. I help. I said, no, 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 no. I said, this is not me venting because I need you to fix it. I, sometimes we just need someone to listen. So for me, it was just personal responsibility of, you know, being in my, my feelings in the moment and then saying, you know what, like, this is not everybody else's problem. I just need you to listen for a second. And then that's where we come together, David. You know, what, what can I, you know, what can I do to be better myself? And what can I do to serve my spouse? How do they feel loved? You know, how do they, uh, you know, receive love? How, like, what's their love language? You know, what are the things that I can do to make sure that he feels heard and seen, uh, you know, and, um, and valued and vice versa. So these are, this is like the divine order. It's not a checklist. It's just, it's a foundation. It's, it's, a, it's, again, it's, it's what we lay down with rebar so that our frame and everything else that we fill in our home with isn't just for show. We have a foundational awareness of who God calls us to be of who, what he asks of us, both individually and in marriage. And then we come, we recreate the right environment for it because it's, it's important. And then we take personal responsibility instead of putting it on everyone else. And then we come together yeah. because from that place, that's where everything else drinks from. Our children drink from that. Our business drinks from that. If, if we start to see poverty in the way our kids are acting, poverty in our business, I can almost guarantee you that I pull the route back to uh, where we've gone wrong in terms of our own personal awareness and our own personal responsibility. Yeah. And when you talk about that, I would say that self-conscious can be weak. God-conscious is very, very strong. Like, I can deny, I can deny it, but I'll tell you what if you have a personal responsibility to God, it's it's so much greater. And when it is just to yourself, you can overcome that. So I would be deep into the Word. If you're not there yet, I would get there. And I would really try to overcome any type of, um, when you see a crack in the foundation, address it. Address it before it gets bigger. And I would just say, for those of you that are listening to this, you know, let us know what topics you specifically want to talk about. Let us know, you know, we can address so many things and, and we get messages from you and we get emails from you, but we really want to save marriages. We really want to make godly marriage a, a thing that is popular and a thing that people strive for. And so we look for your feedback. We would love to hear more of you on this. I love the fact that Angelique is so passionate about it as well as myself. My friends, the Turn On Podcast cares about you. Yes. We'll see you next time.